It's time! Drew Doherty and John Harris have their white coats and their goggles on, and they're ready to talk Texans in a different sort of way. Uh, let's go in the lab. That's right, we're back. It's been a while. We took a hiatus because we had a bad taste in our mouth right after the playoff game, but we're refreshed, and we're going to be positive today, John Harris. We are going to be positive with me, Drew Doherty. We're going to do, we got plenty of time to get into draft chatter. But for right now, we're just going to do a quick hit draft chatter. You were in, in Mobile last week at the Senior Bowl. I was. So we're going to go more intense about that next week. Yeah. But it's all about those tackles and mm-hmm. corners, isn't it? Yeah, I would I would think so. I mean, everywhere, everywhere that we went in Mobile, it was interesting, Drew. I know a lot of people were at the Pro Bowl and then – our our crew had a blast at the Pro Bowl. I will tell you, and you and I went to the we went to the Senior Bowl together in 2015 mm-hmm. for the 2015 draft yep. after the 2014 season, and we got a bunch of interviews. Uh, we had a lot of help um, getting those interviews. I mean, we get dozens of them, but they've kind of changed formats because the Senior Bowl has become such an event now. I saw people from nearly every team. I ran into. Uh, the voices for team. I saw Mike yeah. Keith, the voice of the Titans. John Murphy, the voice of the Buffalo Bills. I talked to John for a while uh, about the Bills. Just the level and the number of people that were there. I was like, wow, well, this thing is really, really grown. You, yeah, you and I were there together in 15, but we'd both been going before. Right, right. You know, I right. started in 10. Right. Uh, going, that was my first Senior Bowl, and it was a big deal back then. And every year it got bigger and bigger. It's been like the combine yeah, in a lot of it ways. Really, it's just mushroomed. It really has. Decade. It really has. And what I what I was impressed with, though, Drew, was was the the level, the number of teams mm-hmm. that were there doing what I was doing. Because it's you remember content. La- yeah, the last time we went in 2015, I mean, we got anybody we really wanted at that point. And we were the only team there at that point. I think the Cowboys. I, yeah, we, it was you and me, and we had two cameras camera set up mm-hmm. and they would go they, they came off the stage after being weighed in I'd say between the two of us in the span of about an hour, hour and a half, we probably interviewed one-on-one, we did one-on-ones yeah. with about 50 guys Yeah, I mean, it was it was crazy, yeah. I mean, we were getting tons of guys, anybody that we wanted to get, we were able to get It's it there, there were so many different team setups, I mean I could just think around us, there was the Panthers, there was the Browns there was the Cardinals Mike Keith was doing interviews uh, for the Titans John Murphy with the Bills. Um, I mean, it was so much more. And obviously the, the growth of the draft has created the cottage yep. industry of draft analysts. And so yep. they're all wanting to get people. I mean, it was just – it was incredible to see the number of people that were that were there from the various teams. And I think the one other thing is – and Phil Savage did a great job getting the game above a particular hurdle. Mm-hmm. And then it was turned over to Jim Nagy this year, and Jim's got a lot of a lot of experience. I mean, he literally came right from the scouting realm, the NFL scouting realm, and took this game over. And so he added four scouts that he had throughout the country, and they went and found the most draft-worthy players. And it's interesting as they were going across the stage at weigh-ins. I remember thinking, not because of the way they look, but just that guy's draftable. Well, yeah, I could see that guy get drafted. I mean, almost every guy going across the stage. And so I asked Jim about it. 
And I said, how many guys do you have here? And he said, I had 114. And then there was some added due to injuries. Not as many Which as happens past year. years, but it, this year it was the, the injuries weren't nearly as prevalent. But he said, John, I, I, I'll be upset if we don't have 100 to 105 guys drafted. And I think last year was 83 to 85, somewhere in there. And as I watched guys go by, I was like, "Those guys, these guys are getting drafted. Yeah. There was let, one fullback there, and I think he'll get drafted. He's a stud. Alec Ingold from Wisconsin. Let me interrupt you. And I'm just going to talk directly to the listener right now. Okay. Friends, my office is next door to John's. John and I, over the last two, three days, we've had some pretty good conversations, and not all the draft picks that the Texans are going to take are coming from the Senior Bowl. But there's going to be a guys available from the Senior Bowl that can come here and that can help. Yep. And things will be better in 2018 up front. That's what we're talking about. 2019. Today. Excuse me, 2019 up front. And you know what? The, the, group, the guys that are here that are coming back from the group that were up front mm-hmm. in 2018, I think they're going to be better too. And you, you combine that with some help coming in from the draft, the, the future is bright. Well, let me ask you this, Drew. And this is the way that I pose it to, to – people when they when they ask me about it and the job that you're in right now or just any job in particular but look back at the first year you did a job no matter how long you've been doing it yeah think about the first year you were doing that job like i think about coming to texas here in 2014 shudder at some of the stuff that i did right i i I shudder at some of this like how but what i didn't know but you've gotten better you've improved you've gotten more comfortable what i got better at what i did know there's some things that you and i when we just do things like we don't have to we don't have to say anything we just get set up we know how to do it right yeah well think about how many guys in the offensive line just on the offense in particular were new and not only new they might have been new to starting like a guy like kendall lamb yep was new to starting you know juju had been here but he was new to starting. Talk about Julian Davenport yeah, and Juju, yeah. They're, they're going to be guys that, you know, there's going to be improvement just due to that. Is there Are there going to be additions? Yes. Yeah. Are there, is there going to be competition for jobs? Heck yeah. Chantrell Henderson said, I'm up for that because he's coming back. He that just signed. Sense. Yeah, that's good. And he's going to come back. Raise the level of competition. And, you know, I got curious about it. He didn't play very much this year, but I went back and I watched the early part of the New England Patriots game the other day. Yes, I was a glutton for punishment, but I went and I watched the whole game, but I watched – him in particular, and just what a difference he makes because of his size and his athleticism. What experience getting reps will do. Absolutely. And he got all those in training camp, and he was ready to go. It's unfortunate he got rolled up on. And look, maybe he would have had a bad season. We don't know, but I don't think he was headed in that direction. So, yeah, there will be, there will be additions. Um, and the thing is, at the Senior Bowl, I, I'm pretty sure the Texans will draft at least one player from the Senior Bowl. Yeah. At least one. Uh, to wrap, put a bow on um, experience and when we were younger, I routinely say, I'm 41 years old right now, I routinely say, I didn't know my ass from third base yeah. until I was about 38 years old. Yeah. So uh, I, I just cringe Good over the last you, two decades. All right, let's talk about some optimism because we're optimistic guys. We, uh, we're looking at an 11-win football team with an ascending quarterback. And I've got four areas of optimism to focus on for 2019. Okay. Optimism on the offense that's not Deshaun Watson related. Optimism about Deshaun Watson for 2019. Optimism on the defense. And optimism on special teams. One specific factor, part, component, parcel. In each of those four areas, let's start with non-Deshaun Watson offensive optimism. I'll tell you what's got me optimistic. The return of Will Fuller. Yeah. Okay. Will Fuller was on pace last year played six, seven games. 
He was on pace to have 1,150 yards receiving, nine touchdowns, catch about 75 balls. You add that back in, and really you add his presence into this receiving core with DeAndre Hopkins, the best in the land. And what we th- I think Kiki QT is going to shake this hamstring thing. I think he's going to be healthy. Yep. Those are three really excellent receivers that pose different sorts of problems for opposing defenses. And we always hear this complementary football. They're a complementary receiving core when we see them on the field together. I'm very, very excited, very optimistic about what I think is going to be a breakthrough year for Will Fuller and for this this offense. I think they, they push it to a whole new level. Yeah, I mean, the 800-pound the elf in the room is health. how yeah. how healthy Will you be coming, stay from, healthy, yeah. coming, coming back from the ACL. And if he is healthy coming back from the ACL and Kiki can kick the, the hamstring issue. And, and I don't want to say hamstrings. Hamstrings typically in a season – can be a problem. Once you get out of that season, you're able to rehab it, either have surgery on it or just get rehabbed. You just get time and rest. It reminded me of 2011 when Arian Foster and Andre Johnson kind of tag-teamed. One guy would be out for a few weeks, and yeah. then the other guy would be out, and they'd, they'd switch. They, they had hamstring problems, but they were still very effective when they were in. Yeah. And it, was a very, it was a very similar situation in that regard. I think my biggest, my biggest optimistic uh, piece, if you will, I just think, because I think Will Fuller would be definitely one, I just think it's the experience that this this whole group got together. Yeah. There's going to be the same center quarterback combination for the first year since 2012. That is that is huge what you just said. Wait, wait, wait. wait, 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 wait. We've got to marinate. Since 2012, okay, as Chris Myers and Matt Schaub, they mm-hmm. were together. They were, they, they were able to play again in 2013. That's right. the first time in consecutive seasons – since then, because it's center been a quarterback, yeah. And I mean, 2014, it's Fitzy and Chris Myers. In 2015, it's Ben Jones and a gaggle of quarterbacks. In 2016, it's Greg Mance and Brock Osweiler. 2017, it's Savage and Nick Martin. And then it turns into Deshaun. This year, it's Deshaun and Nick Martin. And next, yep. next year, it'll be Nick Martin and Deshaun again. And that I think that in and of itself, big big point. It's huge. And I, and you know, it's interesting. I, I heard the Patriots say something, and I don't want to belabor this too much, but. Josh McDaniels talked about the fact that they put in four or five new plays the night before the AFC Championship game. Well, you can't do that no. if you you got guys that are all together there for the first year. You can do that when you have guys together for a while. Now, there's going to be no NFL team for the rest of time that is ever going to have five to seven years experience at every position. It just doesn't happen that way. Even the Patriots. A guy like Trent Brown, he's in his first year with the Patriots who, by the way, had a tremendous year. But Thune's been there for three years. David Andrews has been there for four years. Shaq Mason's been there for four or five years. Marcus Cannon's been there for, I think, six or seven years. Gronk's been there since 2010. Edelman since 20, 2009. Hogan since 2014. And you've got a guy coordinating, and then Brady. Got a guy coordinating that protection in, in the coach, Starnecki. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's fantastic. the best so, in the business. So yeah. you're talking about guys that have experience. I mean, look at the Rams. They don't have a ton of experience together, but – that offensive line, Whitworth's been there for two years. Sullivan's been there since they were in St. Louis. Jared Goff was drafted. Uh, he, this is his third year. Gurley in his fourth year. Um, Brandon Cooks got traded, but this is his third. This is first year with the Rams, but third year in the NFL. Cooper Cup obviously got hurt. It was his second year. They have a little bit more experience when you look at this offensive group. So I think, to me, optimistically, just the growth you have when you put that group together. That ties in perfectly with my Deshaun Watson reason for optimism. And it takes me back to, I 
think around 2006, 2007, when I was in Lubbock, Mike Leach was asked a question about what his typical day was like and how exciting it is his typical day is. And he very Mike Leach-like said, yeah, to the contrary, I think most people would think I look like Mr. Magoo because most of my days are spent in a dark-looking film. And that's what I think of when I think of this offseason mm-hmm. for Deshaun Watson because I think he's going to spend a lot of time looking at what worked, mm-hmm. looking at what he might be able to do a little bit better, and figuring out ways to improve upon what was a masterful season in his first full season in the league. Yeah. I, I, like I, That's still so remarkable what he was able to do. Didn't end the way we wanted. I was broadsided by it. I was very surprised by the way uh, the final game went. But I think he's going to pick up a lot of stuff this offseason. And I think there's going to be some different eyes helping him look at that and seeing him grow. But it's, it's all about that time, the reps, experience. I cannot wait for 2019 in that regard. Well, he had six starts in 2017, and really nobody slowed him down. He kind of just – he kind of just continued what he'd been doing at Clemson, basically. It was yeah. like, man, you know, this is no different than facing Pitt or facing Syracuse. It's like I'm remarkable. facing Seattle. He ran into some adversity this year, and I think that's – I think adversity is the best teacher. And you know, some people say, well, what about Tom Brady? He never had adversity. Well, he was a six-round pick. Yeah, what was he doing in 2000? Yeah, I mean, he had to sit on the sidelines and watch Drew Bledsoe, and there was no guarantee that, that Brady was ever – yeah. Brady, there was no – there was no – Thought that Brady was ever going to get on a field. I was telling my story. I was telling his story to my daughter the other day about Tom Brady, and I just I think there's a lot there. But when you put something on film and you do it for 16 weeks, and obviously plus a playoff game, then you have the opportunity to go back and study everything and look at the things that you didn't do, and you now have that experience. And I think the playoff game is going to be something. And I went through and I looked at Peyton Manning's three playoff games to start his career, and they were dreadful. I mean, dreadful. So it's not as if there have been quarterbacks that have just walked right in and, and you know, they've been great, then they get the playoffs, and then they don't play so well. It can go either way. Sean did not have a great afternoon. Texas did not have a great afternoon. But they're obviously going to be able to learn from that. I think the biggest thing, and I thought, it was funny because I thought about this driving over here today to work, Drew. The one thing about, about Deshaun – and I, I heard so much of this. Oh, teams get film on a guy. They get film on a guy, and they start Boy, studying a guy. Got film on them too. Well, I think the biggest thing is this. More so, it's a copycat league, and so a lot of teams aren't exactly sure how to attack a guy like Deshaun. So they just throw stuff at the wall until it sticks. So they're trying different things, and oh, they just want to. And then all of a sudden, they find something. Ooh, man, that nickel blitz was good. Well, then. Everybody sort of picks up on it. Yeah. And that, I think, is more the case than anything else. Not that you have more film on a guy, but what you do have is, okay, we've seen where there might be a little bit of an Achilles heel. Let's see if we can't attack it like this team. And, I mean, I speak from experience. When I was when I was coaching many, many years ago, I watched this one team. They couldn't stop the option. Just could not figure it out. I'm like, guess what we're running this the week. The option. We're, we're changing what we do. For a number of reasons, but one of them is they can't stop it. We ran for 325 yards that night because they couldn't stop it. It's what you're putting on film. It's, you know, you try and find things that work, and that's what teams are trying to do. They're trying to find things that worked against Deshaun, and they found a couple of things. So now how does Deshaun over this offseason figure out, okay, this is how I've got to combat that? 
this is how I've got to do that. And to me, that's the optimistic part. He's going into his second, really his second full year starting. How does he combat some of those things that did give him some trouble uh, in 2018? Handling and if he's able to handle that, handle his absolutely. Yeah. If he starts handling, handling the curveball a little bit. And look, nobody, uh, there's a reason it's called a curveball. Yep. Not everybody handles curveballs extremely well, and not a lot of people handle them 100% perfectly every single time. But if you handle them better to a point where teams can't say, oh, man, he can't handle this, we're coming at him with this. Yeah. So if you start if you start eliminating some of those things, and then they're like, man, I don't know what we do against this guy. And all the film in the world ain't going to help you, and hopefully that's what we get to with him. All right, there's kind of a thread here that uh, I see developing. We're talking about experience there. My moving on to the defense reason for optimism. I'm excited about JJ Watt. <laughs> okay, 16 yeah. sacks last year. Yeah, seven forced fumbles, and the two seasons before he was basically in traction by the month of November. Yeah, he was laid up. He was in a bed. Two years ago, he was he was walking on the beach trying to like just get mobility back, and then to come back. Start all sixteen games, play the way he did. Yeah. What what can he do now with a full off season of health? With a full off season to go through and he's I know he's recalibrated how he prepares. He's not probably flipping tires like he was four years ago. He's I mean he yeah. might, he might, he but he's probably doing it in a different way. But I can't wait to see how much more he can evolve because he went right back into the guy that we saw from 12, 13, 14, and 15. Yep. And now he's so much smarter as far as how he can prepare for the offseason, how he can prepare for games, his knowledge of his body, mm-hmm. his knowledge of what he's been through, and I think that's exciting. I mean, I think that's really, really exciting how that bleeds over to the rest of the defense. My 1B would be Justin Reed and his continued growth, but I'm excited to see what J.J. Watt does in 2019. And well, I know that's I'm playing the hits you, here. You but. Kind of, yeah, you kind of hit on two of them. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually slide in the middle of those two and tell you why I'm optimistic about the linebackers. Yeah, they're young and they're still they're still on on the up. You know, we know about Zach Cunningham and we know about Broderick McKinney. I, when I watched the Patriots game, and I went back and watched that at the beginning, like I said, I was a glutton for punishment. But I went and watched how involved Dylan Cole was. We got robbed defense. of him this year because of injury. Yeah. And it was just it was just a shame. And it was funny because his name actually came up at the senior bowl talking to some scouts and I was talking to a scout from the Jets and, and my buddy brought it up, uh, asking him about him because he he liked him and he was sort of envious that we ended up having him and, and unfortunately he had a little bit of a knee scope, and then he had – I believe he had that, and he also had the wrist injury, and I think that was, that was the bigger one. And so just the momentum was, was skewed a little bit for him. But having Dylan Cole on the field, to me, that needs to be a priority going forward. To to put a guy like Zach Cunningham and Dylan Cole along with Bernardrick McKinney. And you saw a little bit of that in the game against the Eagles. Dylan Cole has a big play on Golden Tate, knocks that ball away from him. I, and watching the Patriots game, it was amazing how many times Dylan Cole was in the mix of plays, making tackles. And I remember saying to to Bill after that game something about Dylan Cole, and he just looked at me and said, he's one of our better players. I get excited about what those linebackers – and when I went to the Senior Bowl, Drew, yeah. having many, many years ago played linebacker, played safety, I like to watch those guys – I didn't even watch the linebackers because I felt like it was a waste of time because you've got those three guys that 
depending on what scheme you're in and what front you're in, all that kind of stuff, what coverage you're in, you may only have two of them on the field at a time, but the fact that you have Bernardrick going to a Pro Bowl, I think Zach Cunningham is eventually going to go to a Pro Bowl, and I think Dylan Cole ends up being one of the more underrated players on this ball club, having that linebacker core going forward, I think ends up being big for this defense. All right, you just said something. I want to make sure we we emphasize this. You said O'Brien said that he's one of our better players, one of our best players. Okay, he played really well the first two preseason games this year in mm-hmm. August. He made he had a pick at Kansas yeah, City. Kansas City yeah. Played pretty well the next game, and then the week of the LA game, that was the third. That's the mm-hmm. quote unquote the important preseason game when starters played, yep. and the Texans did play some of their starters for a series. You saw J.J., you saw Clowney. Before that game, because I do the preseason sidelines, so yep. you get the, the, the production meetings, and O'Brien said the same thing. He he said, Dylan Cole's kind of dealing with a, a little bit of a bulky hip. You know, he had like a bruise. Yeah, maybe, I remember, like I remember seeing it. Nothing bad, but he's he's like, yeah, he wants to play, and I talked to him, I looked at him, I was like, why would we play you? You're one of our best players. We why would we risk getting yeah. hurt in this? You know, like there's nothing to be gained from this. You're one of our best players. What's to be gained from that? And that that leaped out at me because a he was a second year undrafted free agent, and b it meant you got to stop saying he's a second year free undrafted free agent. Yeah, he's he's a, he's an important player on this team. He's, yeah, he's done. he means something. So Just stop right there. I'm yeah. with you, man. That's a great choice, Dylan Cole. One one big reason for optimism on defense, special teams. It's all about. It's all about. I think this the return game is going to be even better than it was, and it was it was better in 2018 than it had been in the last decade. Yep. I'm excited about DeAndre Carter I'm in that too. regard. And uh, as far as special teams go, I mean, how much better can you get in coverage? Because they were really darn good. Starting field position for your offense. Yep. One of the tops in the leagues. Starting field position of opposing offenses. You were the best in the league. I mean, you you went essentially you flipped the entire script from going thirtieth, thirty first, thirty second in the NFL. Now you're one of the top five teams, special teams wise, in that regard. Yeah, I think, and from year to year, special teams probably going to be the personnel units that change a bit. Yeah, but when you look at good special teams 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 that are good on special teams throughout the league, there is some continuity there. You look at you look at New England. Nate Abner has been running on special teams forever. Matt Slater has been running on special teams forever. And I thought what was unique about the 2018 Texans team was that you had guys like Johnson Batamosi, A.J. Moore, Buddy Howell. Um, I don't want to leave anybody out. but those Peter the, Calambayi. Those, are Peter four, Calambayi. those four guys led you in special teams tackles. Those guys. Now, Brandon Scarlett would have been up there. But I left Brennan out of that discussion because Brennan actually did play defense. He did get on the field. When there were some guys banged up, Brennan made an impact. He had some big plays throughout the year before he got hurt. I think that was a, that was an issue, him getting hurt on special teams. But those guys I mentioned, Howell, Calambay, Joe Webb, those guys, yeah, Joe Webb did go on offense a little bit, but those guys were strictly special teamers, strictly special teamers, and they knew it, and they loved the role. Yeah. They relished the role of being special teamers, and it really, they took so much pride in it. You could see it in practice. They'd get in a huddle, and they'd be high-fiving each other. You know, hey, it's time for kickoff team. This is a time where we get a chance to shine. And, yeah, they all had a offensive or defensive position, but on special teams, they took pride in what they were doing. I can't tell you the number of times you'd see A.J. Moore and Johnson Batamosi sprinting down a kickoff team. It was a Kaimi Fairbairn kick 10 yards deep in the end zone, you know, going out of the end zone. Those guys are sprinting just to see who's going to get down there first. There was such a competitive level and spirit with that group. It yeah. was fun to watch. It seemed like every every game there was a punt where 
about it. Most of it was just kind of camped out besides the return guy. Yeah. Ready, you know, and he had to, he had to give the guy his, his time to catch it. But it was a fair catch, and Batamosa was there. And Batamosa, he's, he's fun to watch because <laughs> he would kind of mess with guys. And he, you could tell he's since he's been around the league, he's, yeah. he's got good good relationships with guys. and He's a fun player to watch. Well, all right, that's four, really eight, because we each had one. Yep. Four reasons for optimism, each side of the ball, two on offense, one Deshaun Watson-related, one non-Deshaun Watson-related. We're going to get deeper into the draft, though, next week. And we want to remind you, if you have a question for us, We'll have a little mini mailbag on these podcasts in the offseason. At J. Harris Football on Twitter, at Doherty Drew on Twitter. Hit one of us up, hit both of us up. We'll answer it. We like talking with you. And we'll do it again next week. So, so long, and thank you for listening to this In the Lab.